Well, there you guys go. Buenos dias. Wow, that was really good. Now, maybe I should do my message in Spanglish. What do you guys think? That would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Well, my name is Pastor Carlos, and I'm just privileged to be before you today to start off and kick off this series of 40 Days in the Word. But before we do that, if you guys can do me a favor and take the basket of pens so you guys can pass it on through your neighbor, because I know your neighbor wants to take a lot of notes. Maybe not you, but your neighbor does. Today, I just want to give you a quick introduction as to where we're going as a team, as a church over these next 40 days of being in the Word together. Our goal after this series that, is that we will learn to love the Word. Of course, first we have to learn the Word, and then we have to live out the Word during these next 40 days. And there are four key components to this series. There's a sermon component, a small group component, there's daily devotionals and a scripture memory component. Then we also have projects to practice what we are learning. I and the other pastors, David, Calvin, Larry, and I are going to be teaching and looking at different aspects of the Bible over the next six weeks. So the first thing that we're going to look at is the inspiration of the Bible, and that starts next week. In other words, how can I trust the Bible? How do I know that the Bible is true? Then week two, we're going to look at the foundation of the Bible, and what is the purpose of the Bible? What is the overarching theme? You know, it's 66 books all in one, and they all point to the same theme. Week three, we're going to be looking at the illumination of the Bible, and that is how God illuminates my mind so that I can see what the Bible wants me to see or what God wants to reveal to me. Then week number four, we're going to be looking at interpretation, which is a very important week, and that's, that is how do I know what a verse really means? Because a lot of time you hear people say, it's like, well, that's just your interpretation, but actually there's a correct way to interpret the Bible, and there's an incorrect way to interpret the Bible. Then week number five, we're going to be looking at the, at the integration of the Bible, and that is how do I put the Bible into every area of our life, including our work and our home and our family life, our finances, and basically every different area of our life. And then finally, week six, we're going to be looking at the application of the Bible, and that is specifically how do we use the Bible in specific ways? Like, how do I use the Bible to make good decisions or to overcome temptation? How do I use the Bible to offer counsel to a friend or someone in need? Or how do I use the Bible to comfort myself? The next element of the 40 days are the 40-day devotionals where you'll take about five minutes each day to have a little devotional time with God about his word. And what you, have, what you do to do this, you just have to go onto a website that we're going to give you. If you guys can all write this down, it's www.40ditw.com. For, it stands for 40daysintheword.com. And just register there, and you will subscribe to receive devotionals by text or email. And every day, you're gonna, they're going to send you a link that you can click on and watch a short four- to five-minute video by top Bible teachers that will help you get deeper and deeper into God's Word. That's element number two, and I encourage you guys to visit that website as soon as you leave here. Well, after the Super Bowl, I know you guys won't do anything after this, but after the Super Bowl, but before tomorrow or maybe tomorrow morning, so that you can start receiving these devotionals. And they're really cool devotionals. Element number three is probably the most important one of this, all of the elements, and it is all our C group studies. And I'm really excited about these because over the next six weeks, we want you guys to get in the Word and into these sessions, and, and you'll have time to be able to get into it and meditate on God's Word when you join one of those. And when you, what you'll receive when you join one of these C groups is you're going to receive an entire workbook that is entitled Living Out the Word, Learn the Word, and Live the Word. And it's quite a hefty book because it not only includes the studies and the outlines that we're going to review, but it has other things like 20 verses that every Christian should know. And how do you know that the Bible is true? 
So if you're not in a small group, I want to encourage you to visit the tables. As all of you guys walked in, you saw a bunch of tables out there. And that's every small group that we have here at Canyon Hill, every C group. I want you guys to visit those tables. I want you to get more information. And I want you to join one of these C groups so that you can start taking advantage. And you'll, you'll start to see how important it is to being part of this study. So that is a summary of 40 days in the Word. But today, what I want to talk to you specifically about is how to build your life on the Bible. And I came across uh, some author's words this, uh, this past week that I wanted to share with you that really depicts why we as a church are getting into 40 days of the word and why we think doing it is important to us as a, as a congregation and as a body of Christ. So famous author by the name of A.W. Tozer wrote these words, and he says, I think a new world will arise out of the religious mist when we approach our Bible with the idea that it is not only a book which was once spoken, but a book which is now speaking. The prophets habitually said, Thus saith the Lord. They meant their hearers to understand that God's speaking is in the continuous present. We may use the past tense properly to indicate that at a certain time, a certain word of God was spoken, but a word of God once spoken continues to be alive. As a child once born continues to be alive, or a world once created continues to exist. And those are but imperfect illustration, he says, for a children die and worlds burn out, but the word of God endureth forever. And then he goes on to say, if you would follow on to know the Lord, come at once to the open Bible, expecting it to speak to you, Do not come with the notion that it is a thing that you can just push around at your convenience. It is more than a thing. It is a voice. It is a word. It is the very word of the living God. Will you guys pray with me one more time? Our Father, as we just stand before you right now, Lord, I ask that you would open up our minds and our hearts that we would receive your living word. And if you're here today, I just just ask that you would pray right now. God, speak to me now. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. You know, Jesus ended the Sermon on the Mount, which is probably the most famous sermon in the Bible, by telling a story. He says that once there was two guys that went out and built homes. One of the guys went out and built his house on the foundation of solid rock. And the other guy went out and built his house on the foundation of sand. Then the unexpected winds came and the floods rose and the winds beat against and the rains came down. You know, he's talking about the trials of life, the storms of life. The house that was built on the shifting foundation of sand collapsed. But the house that was built on the solid rock was able to withstand the storms of life. And then Jesus, after telling the story, says these words in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine, that is the word of God, the Bible, and puts them into practice is like that wise man who built this house on the rock. So this weekend, as we start off, I want us to look at how do we do that? How do we build your life on the life of the Bible so that you're building on solid rock, on solid foundation? So when the storms and the trials and the difficulties of your life come, and we all know that they will inevitably come, that you'll be able to handle it. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in 2013, but I do guarantee you one thing, that you will have storms in this life. You'll have emotional storms, health storms, financial storms. And if you're not built on solid rock, on the foundation of, of something that doesn't shift, 
then unfortunately, I think most of you are going to crumble because we have to build it on unchanging truth. So if you have your Bibles, I want you guys to open it to James chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 19 through 25, James chapter 1. And starting today, I want to encourage you to start bringing your Bible. I know a lot of you guys already do that. And I know we make it very easy for you to look at the Word of God because we put it on the screen. But over these next 40 days, if you guys can commit with me to start bringing your Bibles, or if you have it in your iPad like I do, then bring your iPad, whatever it is, because we're going to be looking through it. We're going to be turning to it, referencing it. So start to bring that over the next six weeks. The answer to how to build your life on the Bible is to look at the way that God wired you and the way that he shaped you. God gave you five senses, right? He gave you hear, smell, see, taste, and touch. And everything that you know and everything that you experience in life comes through one of these five senses. God wants you to learn to encounter the Bible with every one of those senses. And that's what we're going to look at today, again, in James chapter 1, verses 19 to 25. So now if you're taking notes, the first way to build your life on the Bible is this. I receive it with my ears. We're talking about hearing the Bible, hearing the Word of God, hearing God speak to you. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. And you're doing that first thing right now. You're listening to the Word of God being taught, and that builds your faith. Remember, it says faith comes through by hearing the message, and the message comes through the Word of Christ. I'm talking to you about the word of Christ this morning. And then starting in in James chapter 1, verse 19, he says, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent. And humbly, he says, accept the word planted in you, which can save you. It is the word of God that can save us. First, he says, be quick to listen. That's using my ears. He says, accept the word. So in this passage, it teaches that I must receive it with our ears. And the term accept the word in the Greek is dekomai, which is literally a hospitality term. It means to welcome the stranger. It means to welcome the word. So we have to say things like, Lord, we welcome you. We welcome your word. Come on in. I am wide open. It is an attitude of acceptance. If you're, if you're going to get to the Bible in your life and you're going to start to understand it and read it, then we have to start with an attitude of acceptance. And again, it says it is planted. And it's interesting to me that often through the Bible, the scripture is compared to a seed. The seed is the word of God and the soil obviously is our hearts. The parable of the sower that Jesus Jesus teaches and told about tells us about this story. He says, receiving the word is actually the seed being planted in your life. And for those of you that garden, I, I like to garden once in a while, you understand that you can take the exact same seed and plant it in three different places. And in one place, you're going to get giant tomatoes. In the next place, you're going to get small tomatoes. And in the third place, you might not get any tomatoes at all. The difference is not the seed. The difference is the soil. The soil must first be prepared for the seed. You have to mulch it. You have to break it up. You have to put some fertilizer in there, maybe some miracle grow, whatever it takes. The bottom line is that the soil has to be prepared. Well, it's the same thing for you to hear God. Your heart has to be prepared. 
If you come to church and you got up late and you rushed in and you couldn't find a parking spot and you're all frustrated because it's raining like it was last week, you got in and you were really irritated and then you sat down and you said, God, I'm ready. Go ahead. Speak to me. I'm now. Go. It's just not going to work. You're not in a receptive mood. That's why you can take the ex- two people, sit them next to each other. They hear the exact same message, and one walks out saying, man, that was powerful. I think there's a lot to think about there. And the other one says, ah, I got nothing out of that. It wasn't for me. The difference is heart preparation. For good reception, this passage teaches that you have to have four attitudes. We're talking about reception. And do you guys remember in the old days, the old rabbit ear antennas for your TVs? Anyone here remember it? You guys have no clue what I'm talking about, which is, which is cool. In the old days, they used to have these things, no cable, no cable. And they used to have these things, and you had to move them around so that it wouldn't be snowy. And it was, they were just a pain. Well, we have to do that to get a good reception. Well, today, we don't really do that except for somebody in this church. That I, have, I, I said this story yesterday. I mean, yeah, it was yesterday. And Larry says, I still have those. So Pastor Larry and Shirley still have those antennas. So you guys need to help me pray for cable for them because... They're, they're missing out. Well, today, we don't have, we, except for Larry and Shirley, we don't really have those antennas, but we do have cell phones. And we get the cell phones, and we walk around trying to find good reception. And you guys seen the commercial, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? That kind of stuff, because we're all looking for good reception. Well, in order for you to hear God's voice or his word or what he wants to tell you, you have to have good reception. And the Bible says that it's a matter of a heart attitude So I want you guys to write down these four attitudes. The first one is it says that I must be quiet for good reception to hear God speak to you. You have to be quiet. It says be quick to listen and slow to speak. And my wife tells me that all the time. And at least I think that's what she says. I don't know what she says. But, (laughs) But you have to be quiet. You can't hear God if you're talking. The second thing that it says is I must be calm. It says, and slow to become angry, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Why in the world is it talking about anger when it's talking about the Bible? Well, because you don't hear much when you're angry. I think we all know that. We don't hear much when we're upset. We can't really hear what somebody else is saying when we're irritated or when we're angry or when we're all uptight. When you are emotionally upset, you're defensive. And on the other hand, when you are emotionally relaxed, you're quiet and you're calm and you can really hear what the other person is saying. Well, the same thing is true when getting into the Bible. You have to be quiet and you have to be calm if you're going to let God speak to you about his word. You can't say, hey, God, I got five minutes. Let's go. Speak to me now. I'm ready. Talk to me really quickly. It's just not going to work. You can't be frantic about it because God's not going to be on your time. The Bible says, and if you guys remember, be still and know that I am God. That's what his word says. So we have to be calm when we approach his word. The third thing that we need to do for good reception is I must be clean. In other words, it's talking about we can't have junk in our life. And sin piled up if we expect to hear God's voice. The third thing he says is get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, his word says. He's saying here that before you plant the seed, that before God can plant the seed, you have to do some weeding. In other words, when you go out and plant the garden, I don't know about you, but you can't just go out and throw seed all over the place. 
The first thing is that you have to break up the soil. You have to get rid of all the dirt clots. You have to eliminate the rocks, take out the weeds. I mean, the, the soil has to be prepared. It has to be ready and it has to be clean. It can't be full of junk. You have to get ready and get it ready for the seed. He says, get rid of two things. Get rid of filth and get rid of evil. And it's interesting to me that this word filth in the Greek is riparian. And you guys want to know what that word is used for? It's used for earwax. You know, that stuff at the end of the Q-tip, which I know is gross, so we're not going to talk about it anymore. But that's what he's saying. He says, get rid of all that earwax. The point is that I can't hear God if I, have, if, if I have junk in my ear. And you say, well, God never speaks to me. Well, maybe you have all kinds of earwax. Emotional, spiritual, mental, ethical earwax. You can't hear God because you have junk in your life. It plugs up the sound. He says, get rid of all the filth. Get rid of evil, get, which is anything that you know is not pleasing to God. He says, you get rid of that before you come to me. And I don't know about you, but when I garden, I, I tend to get dirty. I can't help it. Sometimes I kind of actually like being in the mud. But the crazy thing that after a long day of gardening, I'm ready to come in and I'm all muddy. And my wife tells me, oh, you're not coming in this house with all that filthy clothes. You take off that clothes before you walk in my house, which I think is totally unreasonable, but whatever. I know she just doesn't want me to track all that stuff. And, you know, we're working with manure out there. She doesn't want me to track all that and the carpet and all of that. Well, before you can meet with God, you need to take out some emotional and spiritual garbage. You need to get rid of the stuff that stinks in your life. You're not going to hear God if your mind is filled with pornography or resentment or jealousy or any other junk in your life for that matter. And how do you do that? Well, the Bible calls it confession. And confession simply means to agree with God. When you look at something and you say, Lord, it was wrong for me to say that to my kids. Or, Lord, it was wrong for me to act the way towards those people or that person. That is called confession. And the word confession is the Greek word homologio. And homo is where we get the word homo homogenized milk or homosexual. And it means the same. And logio means to speak. So confession means to speak the same. God, I agree with you. I agree with your word. I agree with what you're trying to tell me. I agree with what you're trying to reveal to me. You are speaking the same as the word of God is saying. Lord, you are right and I am wrong. That is how we clean out the garbage. So I get calm. I get quiet. I get clean. And the fourth thing it says is that I must be humble. That's the fourth thing that he says. He says, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. That means to be ready to do whatever God tells you to do from his word. If we come with a prideful attitude and we say, God, you tell me what you want me to do. And we read the word and he's tugging at your heart. And you say, yeah, I don't want to do that part. I'll do these parts, but not that. And you pick and choose which ones are best for you. You know, you take best practices from the Bible. Well, it isn't going to work, is it? I mean, I don't know about you, but when you guys ask your kids to do something and they don't do it, we have a problem in our relationship. It's the same thing with God. When God asks you to do something and you don't do it, then you and God have a problem. You're not humbling yourself before God, and therefore there's a problem in the relationship. The second way to build my life on the Bible is to read it with my eyes. 
I receive it with my ears, but I read it with my eyes. I read the Bible. You can't grow without reading the Bible. And continuing in James chapter 1, verse 22 starts out by saying, don't merely listen to the word. In other words, he says, you ought to listen, but don't merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves because you're going to forget it. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror. I want you guys to notice this mirror analogy here. He says, he looks at his face, his reflection in the mirror. And then he goes on to say, and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. I mean, that's what happens a lot on Sundays. You hear the message, and by the time you get to the parking lot, you've already forgotten it. I mean, you guys do know that we forget 95% of everything we hear. He says he looks in the mirror, looks at himself, but then he goes away and he immediately forget what he looks like. But he says, here's the opposite. The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom because the Bible will set you free and continues to do this and not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he, it says, will, will be blessed in what he does. The whole reason why we are doing 40 days as a word in the word as a church is because we want you to be blessed. The pastors here, David, Larry, and I, we want you to be blessed in every area of your life, in your family, in your finances, in your health. And the Bible says that if you do these five things, you will be blessed. And we already heard about the first one, which is listening to the word. That is number one. And then it says the person who looks intently... I mean, what is he talking about here? He's talking about reading the Bible. But when I read it, we can't just speed read it. I know some people have a talent and they teach in college just to speed read and go through some areas. We can't do that with the Bible. It doesn't work. When I read the Bible, I have to reflect on it, ponder it. In other words, we have to look intently. It says that the person who does this is like looking into a mirror. And many times the Bible is compared to a mirror in Scripture. And the purpose of this mirror is to evaluate ourselves. You guys remember, we just came off of a whole series calling that it was called Measuring What Matters, where we use the Word of God to evaluate how we are doing in certain areas of our lives. The Bible helps us to do that. It is a mirror of God's Word that helps us to evaluate ourselves. And all of you guys did that today, sometime this morning before you showed up here. When you got up this morning, at some point, you likely, before you walked out, you paused, you looked in the mirror to assess the damage from last night, right? We all kind of did that. I think all of you guys did. Then you evaluated what you needed to be changed before you walked out. And some people just need to brush their hair. Some of them had to comb it. Uh, some maybe wash their face. I don't know. Maybe somebody didn't have time and put a ball cap on. Maybe you took the time to put on some makeup or remove makeup. I don't know. But there are two ways to look in the mirror. You can glance in the mirror or you can gaze in the mirror. And glancing in the mirror, to give you guys an example, do you guys remember the old uh, TV show Happy Days? Monday, Tuesday, Happy, only like two of you. Don't worry about it. You will never get this. But there was a guy there named Fonzie, and he used to glance in the mirror and show up and say, hey, because he was pure, pure, pure perfection. He didn't have to brush his hair. He didn't have to do anything. He just looked in the mirror, and he's like, I'm awesome. But that's, that's not what happens here. That's, that's not what God wants us to do. Glancing at the mirror of God's word isn't going to help you change anything that he wants you to see. With God's mirror, we can't just glance. We have to gaze. 
We have to gaze at his word intently. God wants us not to just glance at his word, but to gaze at his word, to look at the details, to look intently, the word says. And the third way to build our life on the Bible is I research it with my hands and my mouth. Now, I know this takes a little explaining, so let me explain this to you. I research the word of God with my hands and my mouth. This is talking about Bible study. Researching is nothing more than Bible study. There's a difference. Reading the Bible is reading the Bible, and studying the Bible is studying the Bible. It's not study unless you have a pen or a pencil and you're writing it down. And I found this out the hard way. I haven't been to school in like 15 years, and I'm taking this master's level class that's called French Theology, and I've been so busy that to my first class, guess what I took to my first class? You guys want to guess? Nothing. No pen, no pencil, no paper. I just showed up and I honored them with my presence. And within the five, <laughs> and when the first five minutes, it became clear that I was completely out of my league and I was that annoying guy that I, in the five minutes, I'm like, oh, I haven't, and I'm like tapping my neighbor's shoulder. I'm like, do you have a pen? He gives me, he gives me the pen. Do you have paper? And I mean, it was just, I was that guy. So I'm sorry in advance. But the, the, what I'm saying here is there are two components to a study. It's writing it down and talking about it with somebody else, that turns it into a study. That's why we believe so strongly in, in C groups here at Canyon Hills. Because the way that you study the Bible best is actually in a group. You listen and you write and you read and then you talk. You use your hands, maybe like I do, but it's talking about opening pages or maybe pointing buttons, whatever it is. But you have to use your hands to do it. And then you have to use your mouth to talk about it. That turns it into study. In fact, John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus says these words, you search the scriptures. He's talking about research and studying the scriptures because you believe they will give you eternal life. And the scriptures point to me. And actually in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, Luke talks about a group of people in the city called Berea. And Berea was a little city in Greece. And he says, the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to check up on Paul and Silas to see if they were really teaching the truth. These guys from Berea were searching the scriptures. They were not just reading it. They were studying it. And they said they did it every day, which means they got together and they wrote it down and they were having small group discussions. That is what's going on here. The people weren't just listening to Paul preach. They were researching to make sure that Paul was being kept accountable to the scriptures. That's what I want you guys to do. Us as pastors, read the scriptures, know the scriptures, so that when I walk out of these doors, you say that. You were totally way off base when you read that. That's what these guys were doing. You can't do that unless you get into a study. So again, I encourage you to look into get into a study. The fourth way to build my life on the Bible is I review and I remember it with my mind. And the Bible says this in James chapter 1, verse 25. He says, the man who looks intently, and we already know that's reading, into the perfect law and continues to do this, that is reviewing, researching, not forgetting what he has heard, that is remembering, he will be blessed in what he does. Well, if you want to be blessed in all that you do, you have to learn to review and remember the word of God in your mind. If you want to be spiritually and emotionally strong, the single greatest habit that you can develop is the habit of memorizing Scripture by hiding it into your heart, by planting it into your mind, by putting it into your mind. 
You guys ever notice that when you need a Bible, it's never really around? When you are tempted and you guys, we get tempted at the worst times, it's not like we have the Bible ready to go. When you're witnessing, witnessing or you have stress in your life and you need comfort or there's a crisis, it's very difficult to have a Bible around. Well, that's why we need to have it in our minds and in our hearts so that we can remember it and review it and we can use it to counsel or comfort others or ourselves. And I know that what most of you guys are going to say, oh, I have a terrible memory. I can't remember anything. Well, I can tell you from personal experience that I remember what's important to me. I mean, I remember phone numbers and anniversaries, and we all do that. You know, and some people say, I can't remember a thing. You don't know. But then they can quote songs from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. They know baseball statistics from their favorite players. They know stock quotes. It's because we all remember what is important to us. And memory is like a muscle that you can actually get better at it. You may have a terrible memory, but you can improve your memory. And study after study shows this, that if you will learn to memorize Scripture, it actually develops your memory, and you'll have a better memory in other areas too. The Bible calls this skill of remembering and reviewing meditation. That's all meditation is. Meditation is simply remembering and reviewing the Scriptures in your mind. And that word meditation is so misunderstood. I mean, a lot of people are afraid of it because they think this new age thing. But, it, you know, some people think that you have to sit in the lotus position and I don't know what they do, but they have to, you know, hum and chant and, and contemplate things. That, that's, that, that's not it at all. But the word tells us that it's really important. And in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, he says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. God tells you, God commands you here to meditate on the Bible day and night. That means while you're eating, sleeping, running, playing, whatever it is that you're doing, he says, meditate on these words of mine. So, it goes on to say, that you'll be careful to do everything written on it. Then, he says, you'll be prosperous and successful. Friends, the only promise of success in the Bible Did you guys know that it's this verse? Nowhere in the Bible does God tell us or the word tell us that you're going to be successful. This is the only verse that it tells us that you can be successful and prosperous. And then it tells us what we need to do to be there. I didn't say that. God said that. And that's another reason why we should be in a small group and studying and really commit to this process of 40 days in the word. Because it will help you to meditate on the word of God. And in turn, it says you're going to be prosperous and successful. And there's one more way to build our life on the Bible. First, I receive it with my ears. I read it with my eyes. I research it with my hands. I write down notes. I talk about it. I review it. Remember it in my mind. And the fifth way is I respond to it with my actions. That's the fifth thing that James tells us to do with the Bible. I respond to it with my actions. And that comes from James, verse, uh, the same chapter, verse 22. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. What does he say? Do what it says. In other words, you have to turn it into actions. It says, don't deceive yourselves because we... If he wouldn't have told us that, unless he knows that we're always deceiving yourselves. I mean, we think we hear something, we say, oh, I got this one. But that's not it at all. He says, I mean, I could talk to you about how to be a good parent, or I can talk to you about how to build a balanced budget on scriptural principles. But if you don't do it, it's not going to help you. Well, that's what it means to deceive yourself. 
When you hear something and you know it's the truth and we don't do it, you're just deceiving yourself. You only believe the parts of the Bible that you actually do. I'm going to say that again. You only believe the parts of the Bible that you actually do. I only believe the parts of the Bible that I actually do. Because we are to be doers of his word. So let's go back to that story that I started with where Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 24. And let's look at that verse again and see if it has a different meaning for us now. It says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice... In other words, you're a doer of the word. You're an applier of the word. You are responding to it. He says, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, he's saying, if you come to church, you listen to them, but then you don't put them into practice. He goes on to say, it's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. And then it says, and then it fell with a great crash. Folks, we don't know the storms that are coming our way in 2013 for ourselves or our nation. But I do know one thing is that if we don't have a solid foundation, we're all going to crumble. And the solid foundation cannot be based on the opinions or popular opinions of others. It cannot be based on reality TV because that's what they do or the prevailing culture because that changes like the shifting sands. No, you must build your life on the unchanging word, the word that is built on the truth, that truth that was true a thousand years ago is true today and it'll be true a thousand years from today. That is the foundation that we must build our life song, that is the solid rock that it's talking about. Because if your life is not built on the rock, I'll tell you, you're going to have tremendous stress. Because the sands are shifting and your house is tilting and you feel that stress and worried and anxious about everything because your house, it isn't solid and it isn't steady because it's not built on something that doesn't change. If all your Bible intake is hearing it here on Sundays, then you don't have much of a grip on that Bible and his word. And you know what happens when we don't have a grip on our Bible? Satan can come along and steal it whenever he wants. He'll steal it as soon as you get to the parking lot because he does that, any, he does that anyway. We forget 95% of what we hear. If all you do is hear the word of God, we have no grip on the truth. You're not going to be built on that rock. The more things we do beyond hearing his word, like reading it, Studying it, researching it, reviewing it, responding to it, the better grip that we're going to get on his word. And you know what happens when we have a strong grip on the word of God? Well, nobody can take it from you. Nobody can pull the truth from your hands. Not anyone, whether it's culture, whether it's a best friend, whether it's a naysayer in your life. It doesn't matter who comes by in your life. You have such a grip on the word of God that nothing, absolutely nothing can remove you from your foundation. That is our goal for you over the next 40 days. That is what we would like to see happen as you start bringing your Bible, getting into 40 days in the word and committing above all else to get into his word. That is why we're all here. And that's what God has some beautiful promises set for us if we continue and we commit to do that. 
So I'm going to pray in a minute, but before I do, I just want to encourage you to have this time to respond to God now. If you've heard his word, the Bible says that the word just is planted in our heart and it never returns void, which means that if you hear his word, you're going to respond to it. It's going to convict you. It's going to instruct you. It's going to tell you whatever it is that he wants you to hear. And if that's you today, as I pray, I just want you to respond to God and answer and tell him, Father, I do commit. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we are just first grateful for your word, Father, for we know it doesn't return void, Father, and we just ask right now that you would do a work in us, Lord, and that you would start, Lord, convicting us, tugging at us, speaking to us, whatever it is that you have planned for today for us, Father. And if that's you this morning, and God is tugging at you, and you want to commit to these principles, you want to commit to going through these process of 40 days in the Word with us, I just want you to say a simple prayer and follow me in it right now. And just repeat it in your heart. And it says, Dear God, I want to build my life on that rock. Father, not on sand. I want, to, I want a solid foundation of truth. I want to build my life on the Bible so that I can commit to it over the next 40 days and learning how to practice these things and do these things. I want to receive your word. I want to read it. I want to begin a regular habit of Bible reading, Father. I want to research and study your word in a small group. I want to learn to do all of that. I want to learn, Father, to meditate on your word so that I can plant it in my heart and so that I can do what it says. And, Father, for all those that have prayed this right now, Father, Lord, first I ask that you would be patient with them that you will find favor in them, Lord, and that you will tug at them and let them know that you are with them even right here and right now. Lord, I ask that you ever so gently you would continue to lead us in doing these things. Father, and I ask for courage and perseverance so that we could over these next 40 days, we would build a stronger and solid foundation on your unchanging truth, on the living word of God. We thank you for that promise, Father. And it is in the beautiful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.